Welcome to the Conceive Baby Podcast. My name's Tasha Jennings, fertility naturopath and nutritionist. In each episode, I share with you my best fertility tips and introduce you to world-leading fertility experts to help you improve your fertility well-being to create your healthy pregnancy. Welcome to today's episode of the Conceive Baby podcast. I'm fertility naturopath and nutritionist Tasha Jennings and today I have a very special guest joining me. A little different to my normal expert guests but one that you have told me that you would like to hear from and that's one of my beautiful patients. Felicity is 46. She started her fertility journey when she was 39 and it certainly wasn't an easy journey. And she is kindly sharing her story with us today to help others who may be struggling through similar issues. Felicity lives in Northeast Victoria with her husband, Dave, and beautiful daughter, Olivia, who turns two in September. She is currently on extended family leave from her planning role with Forest Fire Management Victoria because she's loving motherhood. So welcome, Felicity. Thank you for having me, Tasha. So thank you so much for joining me today. Now, firstly, how is gorgeous Olivia? She's grown so much since I last saw her. How is motherhood? Motherhood's wonderful. And um, (laughs) Olivia is um, amazing. Uh, Mm. Yeah, two in, almost two in September. And yeah, just, it's amazing just to sit and reflect going, how did that, how did, how did we get here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But she's a barrel of fun, just loves, um, loves being outside doesn't like being contained to four walls one little bit so we're um in fact it was only five minutes I came inside or 10 minutes ago I had to quickly put her to bed and I've still got covered in mud on my hands so <laughs> we've um t- I tired her out knowing that I had to be here for the podcast um <laughs> but yeah loving it loving um loving motherhood loving the challenges um there are definitely hard days um, but the the good days, there's far, 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 far more good days than the more challenging days. Um, yeah. But that's what you get with a toddler. And, um, yeah, she's she's great fun. And um, she, uh, yeah, we're just nice and settled now. And, yeah, you did mention that we did start started our fertility um, when I was 39. Mm. And we had Olivia when I was 45, mm-hmm. I think. Well, yeah, 45. I've lost track. Um, so it has been it has been a long journey and an unexpectedly long journey, and yes. we just um, assumed when we started wanting to have a, a baby or a child, it would be easy. Mm. And yeah, we um, were quite naive to that and didn't realise just the complexities involved when we first went to our GP, and she said um, referred me pretty much because of my age. I was mm. um, forty, near forty. Um, she just referred me on straight away to a fertility specialist um, and then it just rolled on from there. And yeah, we just assumed that you know, it's science is magic and uh, we'll, we'll mm. have a baby through IVF. Um, but it didn't happen for a long, for quite a while. So four rounds of IVF. Um, and sadly, our loss of Eve at 30 weeks and then 
and and other losses as well, not as I guess significant, but other um, losses through IVF. And then we had Olivia fell pregnant with Olivia about ten or eleven months after Eve, but before that there was another um, embryo loss, which was yeah, it's just part of the roller coaster. And um, mm. but yeah, going back, motherhoods have been amazing. And yes, I've taken extend more extended family leave just because. I know we can't get this time back with her yeah. and we've just bitten the bullet and just, you know, that's one extra less holiday or two a year that we have decided not to do just so we can um, stay at home and just enjoy these moments. Because... Soak up that special time with her. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's all consuming. It's so consuming, but it's just, yeah, worth every second. And I I do feel that... Um, I guess the journey that we've been through has really changed, changed me a lot. Mm. And um, just, I think how I would, how I am as a, a parent and a mother, I just, I do appreciate, appreciate time and um, just how fortunate we are to have Olivia. And so it does um a very quick she Olivia is a very quick reminder of just how fortunate we are to have her and mm. not to um not to rush around and not to be busy all the time or overly busy I mean it is hectic with a toddler but it's a different hectic yeah um, so yes they're very good they're good at, they're a good reality checker <laughs> <laughs> and as you said I think whenever you've been through a, a challenging fertility journey it it is that constant reminder that you so you are so grateful for mm. Olivia and for the time, and your journey was particularly challenging, and you've touched on it briefly there. Um, but so you, let's look at the steps that you took for others who are you know, following a similar path and perhaps not knowing where that journey is going to end. I think that's the difficult thing with fertility is that most other things you you set goals you set milestones you achieve them and you know when you're going to get to the other end um there's a lot of people I guess listening who are in that unknown space which is a really as you know unsettling space so I think as, as human beings we like to know what the next step is we like that security and fertility really takes that away so if we look at where you know some other people might be at a similar stage you're 39 your first step was to your GP um yeah mm. just I guess talk us through yeah. the steps from there and, and a little bit about your your cycles and and where you went from there yeah so we we visited our GP our local GP here and yeah, yeah like I mentioned before because of my age she said there's no point yeah. trying we refer you on to fertility so we went to travel to Melbourne to um to see our fertility specialist there we tried two rounds of what they call IUI, which is um, uterine, I can't remember the exact terminology anyway. Intrauterine insemination, That's but yes, it. that one. Yes, yes. <laughs> and that did yeah. not work. Um, and so we went straight on to IVF then, which was a whole new different ball game. What And, I, yeah, I, we were so very naive to the whole process involved. As most people are. So don't, yeah, yeah. I, I find most people are, are very naive because there is that perception, as you said initially, that IVF gets your baby. You Gives just, you, answer, you know, yeah. the, you, if you can't have a baby, you do IVF and, and there you go. But, yeah, talk through your experience. Yeah, so we did, ended up doing our first round of um, IVF. Um, and so I would have been, 
probably I would have been 41 by then, 40, yeah. 41. Um, and I responded so well to the um, to the um, hormone medication. So what, what, in IVF, they just give you super high amounts of hormones that you naturally produce. But because it's super high, are you, they want you to produce a lot of eggs mm. to harvest. So I was a really good, I produced a lot of eggs. So our first run, I produced nearly 30 eggs, mm. which they collected. Um, and then throughout the process, um, uh, by the end of what they call day five, once they grow the, the em- embryos, we had 10 really good embryos, which was amazing yeah. for yeah. my age. And Absolutely. they said, that's awesome, 10. And because mm. we had that number, they said, well, it's really worth considering genetic testing of those 10 because we had a good number to work with. Yeah. If we only had two, we probably wouldn't bother with the, with the expense. But because we had 10, we decided to get them genetically tested. Yep. which we did, and out of that 10, we got one, one mm. genetically normal good embryo. And we went, oh, and that was really when you really start to sit back and go, oh, this is so not an easy process. Because yeah. had we not done that genetic testing for us, we could have just kept those 10 and kept implanting them and had multiple fails because mm-hmm. they weren't genetically um, compatible or normal. Yeah. Um, so we... That one, that was the reason why we, we did that extra step of genetic testing is so we eliminated that risk of um, loss and we just, yeah. um, and the time taken. So we did that. We got the one and went, oh. so if we put the one back in and it works, that's another 12 months, probably 18 months before we could try again. I'll be 43. Mm-hmm. We, so we decided to what um, um, embryo bank, um, yep. collect more embryos before implanting so we wanted to have we were recommended to have three to four really um genetically good ones in the bank before implanting and that gives us a bit of security so um yeah for for for, for potential more sibling more um babies mm-hmm. so we ended up doing another round round number two um exact same response 30 eggs mm. 25 to 30 eggs really good uptake of um, insemination and then um, a good collection of embryos. But then on day three, they all just died. Every single one of them just kaputchered. Mm. Oh, no, this is not what we wanted and there was no answers. Mm. And that's the hardest thing on IVF. You really want answers, but they, there are none off yeah. in the case. It's just really difficult. So then we said, okay, let's do round number three. And every time you're doing a round, you're out of pocket. We, oh, you, we say round, but there's out of pocket, there's emotional, physical, mm. there's, these are, these are tolls. I think we say, oh, there's a round of IVF flippantly, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's a big toll. It's definitely, um, and when, when you enter and you're doing multiple rounds, you are in a pretty much like a rat race. You're just spinning around going, are we going to stop? When do we stop? Yeah. And we didn't. We our goal was to have three to four embryos, and we were just going. This is round three, and we've only got one. Mm. Like this could be a really, really long journey. Anyway, we hit the go button, and we did round number three, and we ended up getting uh, two genetically good ones from that one, that round. Two, yeah, two. So we ended up having three, three in the bank. So we said, let's work with that. And I was exhausted. Mm. <laughs> I was so exhausted. Yeah. And you do get to a point where mentally uh, physically and emotionally there you just you do become really exhausted of being on the IVF roller coaster 
So we said, let's stop. We had a break. And then we put our first embryo back in in September, pretty sure it was September um, 2019. And it worked. I was like, whoa. Um, and um, that was a perfectly normal pregnancy. So once we've, we saw, we kept seeing our fertility specialists, and I think until about six to eight weeks when they're comfortable that, or even longer, 10 weeks, I think we were. Um, and then they refer you on back to your GP to find an obstetrician. Yeah. Um, so fortunately our obstetrician worked um, in with our fertility specialist, so it was great. So there's, we felt there's a bit of a continuity of care there. Yeah. Um, which was that's... really nice. Yeah. Um, and what we really wanted, and that's one reason why we decided to go private um, with obstetric care, is because we wouldn't, we really wanted that continuation of care, which we can't get in our rural and regional area here. We can't get private care, mm-hmm. so we um, we we headed to Melbourne, and it logistically that was much better for us because we were actually closer to family. My family being in Tasmania, and Day's family being in Melbourne, so Melbourne is kind nice. of a bit of a central spot. Um. So I felt we felt pregnant and that was with Eve in September 2019, perfectly normal pregnancy. Um, the only, um, there was no concerns, no worries. It was actually quite a, a normally boring pregnancy. I had no mm. issues, no gestational diabetes. Pl- placenta was fine. Growth was fine. Um, yeah, it was just, it was great, except the morning sickness was horrendous. But um, I got through that <laughs> somehow. <laughs> I got through that with a lot of burgerings, twisties, um, <laughs> all this ridiculous food that you don't normally eat, heavy carbohydrates. Before I was seeing you, <laughs> this was before you. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and someone guessed at work that I was pregnant. They said, "Oh, like, um, yeah. when's the uh, baby due?" Because I was asleep mm. at my desk multiple times, and also I was eating. I had Telling a pack sign. of chips at my desk, and um, someone had hot chips and I had to go around and just and that was so unlike me so they guessed yeah. <laughs> I was pregnant mm. um, anyway so um, September 2019 pregnant with Eve went through Christmas we announced it at Christmas with yeah. all our f- um, friends family we told before then so it was really exciting and we got, we got a lot of um, a lot of lovely little baby presents for Christmas that year mm. and it was really exciting because um especially with our work colleagues, it was just like, yay, second day of a pregnant, about time. And mm-hmm. but just a lot didn't know that we we're on an IVF journey, so knew that what we'd been going through. And yeah. um, But there's a lot that didn't know um, as well. And we, were, we, we weren't public about um, going through IVF, but we weren't hiding it either if people asked. Because yeah. Quite surprisingly, there's a lot going through IVF treatment. Amazingly, yes. When you when you start to ask the question, because most people, as you said, don't yeah. say unless asked. But once you do ask the question, it's yeah, yeah quite common. And, and or everyone knows someone that's been mm. going through fertility treatment. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Christmas is great, and um, I remember mm. we announced it, and we made like I don't know if you know the there was a a Christmas video that was on social media and you're the elf and you put all your pictures in the elf and they dance around. I think anyway, I have seen that. Yeah. yeah. We did yeah. that. And we announced yeah. it that way and we put yeah. the, the little baby embryo, a little baby in one of the yeah. pictures of the elf. And yeah. that's how we announced it. So it was just like baby elf arriving in 
Um, Eve was going to be due July, July 2020. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I got through Christmas and then um, we had a really bad fire season that year. That was 2019, 2020. Mm. And it got really hectic, really busy, really quick. Um, and, um, yeah, it was quite a stressful situation here because we work with um, part of our responsibilities, fire emergency response so all of a sudden you're doing your fire roll and you're doing 16 hours a day and really quite it was a very stressful situation then mm. and that was all through um late that was all through December into January we were covered in thick smoke for a good three or four weeks here mm. um and so I think too that yeah I, I, yeah it was it was stressfully busy and I know um it probably had no impact on what happened, but I can't help no. to think that it, it did. But I'll, no. I'll talk about the grief side of things later, but you do go yeah. back to what if, why did I do this wrong, did I do that? Um, but, yeah, so we got through um, summer and that was fine. And then we were, um, COVID, COVID came 2020 that year, February, March. We decided to renovate our house. I don't know why, but we decided to do a, a huge renovation it was all based around Eve because mm -hmm. we needed um we just needed to do all the bedrooms up and so we bit the bullet Red and space renovated the whole yeah. house and it was a huge job mm. um so we had that going on and then COVID hit and then we just said to our builder get it done because they were locking everything down so he was mm. just going crazy we came to Easter 2020 and Pregnancy was fine. Growth was fine. We had a we had our twenty nine week scan on the Wednesday, and all was perfectly fine then. And then two days later, it was um, Easter Friday, and I, no, it's, it's the Thursday I think. And I was at work, and I thought, oh, something doesn't feel right. Something just doesn't feel right. And I said to Dave, something doesn't. Feel, I couldn't put my mm. finger on it. I just something felt not right. Um, so Eve was 29 weeks in and so he rang our obstetrician. He said, come down straight yeah. away, which yeah. is awesome because, um, when you're, when you're three hours away from your obstetrician, um, yeah, you know that he obviously meant it to come yeah. down. So we, we went straight, straight down that day yeah. and it was fine. Um, I was hooked up to the CTG and they did it, um, ultrasound. Um, Eve was moving and we had named Eve by then we named Eve well when we knew the gender so it was lovely so we had that really nice connection um everything was fine so I just went oh I was just worrying about nothing mm. but deep down there's just I don't know, mother intuition is so real and mm. um I find it really hard because all the machines tell you everything's okay mm. then this this thing inside you that is saying no something's not right but mm. um yeah, so we kind of put that aside and we said, no, everything's fine. We've had it checked and everyone did what they could at the time. Like everything's checked and we're, we're good to go. So we went back home. We were in COVID lockdown then, so we couldn't um, we couldn't really do too much over Easter. Um, so we Zoomed family at home and we had a big Easter party Zoom and I was showing off my belly, I remember it. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. But then... Um, it was Easter Sunday or, and Easter Saturday. Just, the feeling came back. I'm going, I haven't felt 
I'm I'm not feeling much movement. I'm not feeling much movement. And I remember um, we went for a drive and it was a really bumpy road. I'm going, this doesn't feel right. I could feel yeah. something. I can feel it didn't feel right down. E felt very heavy. Um, and I remember trying to do headstands off the bed, trying to get her to move. Yeah. And I could feel something move. That's awesome. Yeah. And I know looking back going, I know what had happened. And then it was, it came Easter Monday and we, I didn't sleep that night and we just rang our obstetrician. I said, look, um, I'm worried again. He goes, look, just go into the local hospital here, which is um, we're in with the closest one for us is Benalla. Yeah. Um, and all we need is a heartbeat. And yep. so we went, awesome. Okay, we're going in. If you don't hear from us, it's good news. Yeah. I remember saying it. And, and we went into Benalla and Dave wasn't allowed to come in. Um, because of we it was COVID restrictions and we're only that one was person. so hard. Yeah. yeah, so he had to wait in the car and he knew something wasn't right when it was almost probably up to an hour. Mm. When um they were the midwife was trying to find the heartbeat and she said, No, I found it. I found it. I'm going, No, that's my heartbeat. Because I know and I knew his heartbeat was up around 150. Mm. Um, but I I think then she probably knew, but I don't think she could actually officially confirm what had happened so anyway the doc on call doctor came in he had he struggled to use the um the machine so I wasn't certain and then another doctor they called in another doctor from home the local um obstetric doctor and by this time they said Dave better come in I'm going yeah so they went and got Dave and he was really quite upset and and quite angry at the fact that um he hadn't we couldn't, I couldn't talk to him. I hadn't mm-hmm. actually had the phone with me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the third doctor came in, put the scanning thing on and said, straight away, there is no heartbeat. And it was just like, whoa. Like, and just those, those few words, mm-hmm. just, um, just your whole world stopped. Everything yeah. stopped. And all just sitting on the bed, just going, what, what do we do? And um, we we're on our phone to the obstetrician, and yeah, he was frantic. Mm. He was so frantic too. He goes, "You've got to check. It's an anterior placenta. Check the heartbeat." And um, oh, yeah, I just remember just so much going on in that room. And um, in the end, so we had to get to Melbourne. Yeah. So at some point, we had to get out of the hospital. I wanted to get out. I just didn't want any more of my time in the hospital. We'd been in there long enough. And it, we're probably in there for two and a half hours before we really got a, an, a, of an answer. And I knew something wasn't right. Mm. Um, I just just took so long. Anyway, we ended up driving to Melbourne and that drive down was just very surreal because mm. I, in my head and Dave's head, we knew the baby was okay Yeah. because we just get to Melbourne and um, Dr. Joe would just look at it and go, yep, that's no, fine. It'll yeah. be all right. Cause um yeah it was just um error so yeah. um but then when we got to melbourne and they took us up to the labor and delivery ward it was just like i don't kind of like what are we doing and um then we realized um when they took us into a delivery room what was going to happen i'm going mm. we have to give birth to eve yeah. 
And I thought, no, but um, she's going to be okay. Mm. <laughs> and then um, Dr. J came in and he just yeah went through the steps and it was amazing. He just, yeah, he was devastated. We're all devastated mm. and it was just like, Phew. Um, how can how can Easter be so happy yet turn to such a a um, horrible horrible time when she'll be celebrating the birth? <laughs> mm. Yeah. So mm. um, yeah. In the end, um, we were induced on mm. the Monday afternoon that night, and um, that was after we'd ended up calling family, and that's a forever traumatic experience having to do that. I remember calling mum and she was knitting a cardigan for Eve at the time. Mm. Yeah, it was oh, just horrible. Mm. So after that, we were induced. And then I remember just, yeah, that night, just go through all the process of um, labour pains and et cetera. And then um, the next morning, yeah, she was born at 929, 9.29, 10.28, 9.29 that morning and um gosh yeah just um although it's such a horrendous horrible time it was actually really quite a a beautiful process and I think just how they supported us in the hospital and how Dr Joe supported us throughout that process um just made what was a traumatic horrible experience it turned into a birthing experience which was actually quite beautiful Mm. and um yeah so we birthed Eve and Dave got involved and he cut the umbilical cord and we hadn't really talked about what what we wanted to do after that but my instincts just said I want to hold her and I just yeah yeah so um uh we I held her and that's when I just forgot about everyone in the room I didn't Mm -hmm. even know Dave was there I didn't know what was going on elsewhere I just remember just not, I don't remember anyone in the room except I was holding Eve. And mm. she just looked so perfect. Like how can a full baby, which was fully developed, like 30 weeks, you, yeah, yeah, it's amazing. She was so, so still. And I think too part of me was in denial as well then, going she'll start yeah. to breathe soon, she'll be all right. And then really the, the grief didn't hit until I remember um, that afternoon. Mm. And it just hit me like like a a huge wave it just took all the air out of my lungs and I've never wailed and cried so hard in my whole mm. life yeah it just and that's when the grief really started then yeah and um yeah it was just um it was intense and um you just just trying to make sense of everything that had happened and I just I remember Dave and I were sitting in a hospital room looking down at Fordle Street going, why is everyone walking down the street drinking cups of coffee? Why why are people going around in their day-to-day jobs and where, for, for us, everything had frozen. Our life yeah. had just completely frozen. Um, yeah, it was just, um, I don't know, just you do hit rock bottom. I don't mm. think I'd hit rock bottom there yet because you're kind of still like in the, the flight Still of flight response of it all, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so um, that was our Easter. It was miserable. Mm-hmm. It was horrible. Um, yeah. And um, so we ended up, and they were lovely at the hospital, so there was no pressure to leave, but mm. <laughs> we were quite keen to um, get back home. Yeah. But we actually, we ended up, we did have two nights there. And Eve stayed with us the whole time in a cuddle cot beside us. And yeah. it's such a beautiful way 
she never left our side except when um, um, they were going to bath her and we could have bathed her, but I, I didn't want her because she was so um, so frail because yeah. she'd actually died in utero probably two or three days before before. Mm. So she's really quite fragile and I, I just wanted to have these beautiful memories of her and not yeah. be traumatised by anything um, I didn't want to see. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, they bathed her and brought her back all dressed up in a beautiful little onesie which we'd chosen and a beanie mm. and the um, heartfelt came in and did some photographs and the hospital arranges with with us. Yeah. And I wouldn't have thought to do any of that. I wouldn't have thought to do um, photos and or, and the midwife looking after us also grabbed my mobile phone and just started taking photos and they're the best mm. photos. I'm so grateful. They're beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, so grateful for that because they're the only memories we have yeah. other than what's ingrained in our mind. And they're the only memories we can, because of COVID, no one could come in to visit Eve and see her. Mm. Um, so photos are the only thing that we have to say, here she is. She it was real. She existed. And she's our baby. Um, yeah. And I think further down the track, I think COVID, the whole complexity of what happened then with COVID is really made it difficult, especially for family involved accepting yes, and understanding because mm, mm. no one could see her. And my sisters are in Melbourne. They said, oh, we can see the hospital, but we can't come in, Yeah, which is really, yeah, we've quite devastating. Um, yeah, so we ended up um, going back home and we, um, we decided to have Eve cremated purely because we didn't want a funeral because we didn't want to select 10 people to come to a funeral at the time. Mm. We just wanted it to be open. So we had Eve um, cremated. We also decided to have an autopsy and that mm. was, I'm so glad we did because it just, even though it didn't tell us the answers why, it still was peace of mind for us mm. in a way that, um, yeah, we, we and, and what they find in each autopsy might potentially help someone down the track. So mm. um, it, it was a huge decision to make, but one that I don't regret. Um, yeah. Although we would have loved an answer as to why we didn't get that, but um, we would have we would have probably been um, asking ourselves why didn't we have an autopsy if we didn't have it. So for us, it was peace of mind. Mm. Um, yeah, and so yeah, we went back home and. It was a crazy time and yeah. it was really hard because yeah. we couldn't we couldn't go and visit anyone or see anyone because we're all in this crazy lockdown world. Um, we could only resume and call family. And in the end, mum and dad ended up coming over after about seven or eight weeks, of five or six weeks after Eve. And it was crazy. We had to get letters to have proof that they mm. could come in and it's was... oh, just yeah crazy um and that was great they were here for six or seven weeks just helping out with everything yeah. we just moved back into our house after renovating mm. um and when then we decided that we weren't going to have a funeral let's wait for a year because we kept going in and out of lockdown and uh, yeah the, restrict the restrictions kept changing yeah um and yeah i um the grief the grief's hard and yeah. I wasn't expecting it. Mm. And um, we, I think, I know we grew up in, in a family environment where emotions and hard emotions, you, know, you just get on with life. You just, 
were stoic and, you know, got to be happy and put on a brave front and get on with life. And I couldn't. No. <laughs> I couldn't. no. Yeah, so it was um, it was really challenging um, because everyone, every family and everyone wanted me back to normal. We just want you back mm. to what you were. I'm going to never be back to who I was, never. Not. You can't go through that and not be different. Yeah, yeah. change you. Yeah, so um, we ended up seeing, I, I was seeing a, a um, grief and loss counsellor. Fortunately, yeah. I could get into one to face-to-face, which was great. And Dave and I were also seeing a, um, a counsellor um, together as well, which is really good because yeah. it's, sometimes it's when you're stuck in that, the, the depths of grief, it's really hard to um, articulate and describe what you're feeling and what mm. it means and labelling it and 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 allowing yourself to feel those horrible hard emotions and with grief um you go through everything and it's sometimes you just think why like I remember the I remember feeling intense anger and mm. really I've never felt that such anger before and I remember I was in the car up our driveway and I just floored it and just smashed the brakes. I'm going, this is not good. This is not good. Like Mm -hmm. just, it was almost, it just overtook my, over my body. I'm going, this is not me. And I couldn't make sense of it. And because I'd never really understood that it was okay to be angry or okay Mm. to have these hard emotions. It's like you put them away because they're not good emotions or feelings to have. So once I saw the counsellor and she helped me process all of that and understand that it was perfectly okay to feel yes. that. Um, but where we have to watch that is when you feel it is is good, but it's actually when you act when you do something when it potentially is not so good. Mm. And when I just explained that I was in the car and I felt so angry, I wasn't going to self harm, but I was the only place I was was in the car, and I just had this ang- mm. urge of anger which I've never felt before, and but once I understood that and talked through that, it just made sense. And then every and then allowing those feelings to just come in, and just you'd go through the you go through it like it's not nice, but you know you're going to get through it and come mm. out through that those waves of emotion. And I think once I understood that was grief. Grief is just traveling all these crazy hard emotions. Um. I could um I could actually just I don't know I guess co-regulate a bit with grief in a way mm. and not try and fight it and that's where I decided not to go back to work yeah immediately because I knew going back to work and I was encouraged by so many get back to work keep busy get but back to work but that's pushing it down and yeah getting back to your old and self quickly yeah and for me mm. I could have gone back to work I would have been absolutely useless mm. I would have been so not productive um but I also knew it would have been a good way to actually um, hide and cover and just um, forget not about deal. it. Like forget about it, not deal with yeah. it. Yeah. So um, I decided not to go back to work for that reason. And I just think that 10 months I had off was probably the most, um, and I was fortunate I could take 10 months off because um, I could access leave. And I know so many can't and so many mm-hmm. have no choice but to go back to work. Um, and um So I took that time and I just did, it was quite a powerful journey for me, just stopping and a lot of internal work that I've never, ever felt or done before. And 
yeah, it's quite, um, it did change me on all levels. And I, I often tell people it's like um, the grief, you just smash like a vase. And when you do start to rebuild, it's just putting piece by piece back together. But you mm. choose what pieces you want to have in there and you mm. you just self-assess and, and turf what you don't really want back nice in your life. Nice way of putting it. Yeah. And, um, gosh, it was, yeah, I it was just amazing and hard, but hard doing all that work to rebuild like that. But I'm so glad I, I could do it. And everyone's mm. different. Like everyone processes and wants to process their grief differently. And and I found that with me, there was a lot of advice coming my way saying, oh, you should do this, you should get back to work and you you should go on a big holiday just to, you know, do this and do that. But it's, it is advice. And I think my biggest take-home message there was that is advice, but it's not what I want to do. And yeah. I think probably before Eve, I just would have said, yeah, that's a great idea. And, and so you said, yes, 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 yes. But I think you do, I just learned that to say no. And yeah, to, tap into your no. intuition. Yeah. But also mm. be um, you know, everyone's just trying to help. And that's what yeah, of course. I had to remember that comes from a well-meaning place. Yeah. And everyone's mm. is always good intent. Even if people say the wrong thing or the wrong words, they're all just trying to help and make a terrible, terrible situation better. Mm. And um, but nothing could make it better, or nothing could fast forward the process for us. And um yeah, a lot of people could just help and just they would just sit and listen and not have to say anything. And that was all what you what we really wanted. We yeah. didn't really want the advice to try and fix us. You and said make you just wanted better. to get through it and to, to start the journey, well, you know, to do to do the next steps was it was a hard thing. Yeah. You needed to go through that process to be able yep. to get to a and place. I, I think it's it was important for us to seek that help. Yeah. Um if I tried to do it on my own. I probably would have gone back to work and I probably wouldn't have had the time to try and work through the grief. Um, and, uh, yeah, probably would have been would have been a different outcome. And I think for Dave and I to do it together as well really helped us and actually brought us together so much more because I was terrified of everyone said, oh, there's a high rate of divorce. You know, I'm going, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, so <laughs> there's so many there's so many things that people said that does that does yeah, put the fear of fear of life in you. Mm. But we're um I guess because we're maybe we're a bit older, I don't know. Um we can't And you of, got that help and support. I know you yeah. know you got the counsellor and I know your fertility specialist that's when I, I guess referred to myself and you got that team around you yeah. to, to help you on that journey. Yeah. So after um, you know, when we're ready. Yeah. Um, and that was probably about 11 months, 10 months after um, Eve, I, I seek your help because yep. Yep. I was working with an obstetrician and we didn't want to leave a stone unturned when we tried yeah. again for yeah. our second second baby. So, I yeah, I got your help and it was amazing because um, you, your analogy always sticks in my head and it was just like we've got to fill your tank up. We've got to get yep. your tank full. Because I would know I was depleted because yes, the emotional, mental and physical stress had left yeah. me fairly depleted. Um, and where and leading into Eve as well, I never that didn't cross my mind, and that's where I guess pregnant with Eve, I was so naive to so much, and then coming into the second pregnancy with um, trying for a second baby, it was a very different story. 
and yeah. different different mindsets. So working with you to fill my tank up, mm. getting my iron levels, getting my bloods tested, which was, mm. to me was so important. Yeah. Because um, and for you to really look at them and assess them, and yeah, it's not just I, in range. We want you not we just wanted everything range. perfect. I was always, and that's <laughs> what I was finding. Um, yeah. like even though they came back in range from a GP perspective, yeah, they were normal. I'm, yeah. I was forty five. I'm preconception, so we are a bit different than the norm. Yeah. So it's really good having you your eyes go over that, and then we just um. We just got the tank so full. I was yep. buzzing. It was so yeah, good. You were so good. I remember. <laughs> I think we literally ticked off every single mark. Everything, I'm like, yeah. We are good. We are great. And you did yeah. so well. Yeah. So we had the nutrition sorted. Yeah. Um, all my levels were really good going into um, preconception. Yeah. And we did. Um, we actually did another round of IVF too in between yep. Eve and Olivia just so we uh, we wanted another embryo as a backup. Yeah. Um, we popped another embryo in in December and that didn't take. We had a, yeah. um, a, a chemical pregnancy there and that was just before Christmas and that did send me spiralling downhill again because for me I could see no way forward. I thought we're just yeah. going to have a loss, loss. And, and our own experience with pregnancy has been lost. So mm-hmm. for, for us it was just um, there was it was really hard to see the positive in or any of it, any of this. But anyway, we took a break over Christmas and just that was our first Christmas without Eve and that was really hard. Mm. So we just bunkered down and hibernated and then pop, put our, um, another embryo in in January and fell pregnant with Olivia. Yeah. And um, so it was awesome. It was, um, yes, it was awesome, but it was also <laughs> A very anxious pregnancy. Mm. Um, so I and yeah, we we're still making sure that all our tank was full of everything. We checked bank, in a lot. Checking everything. Yeah. Checked, yeah. Um, which... Yeah, and it just makes such a difference. So I just felt we went into the pregnancy with Olivia with everything ticked. Mm. Like um, Dr. Joe ticked everything off. We'd done everything possible we can do. And everything that's in our control yeah. to make this work. And yeah. um and and also, even though we had that loss in the chemical loss in December, I knew going to that pregnancy I mentally wasn't quite ready. I was yeah. I remember going there for the embryo and I was just quite distraught, wasn't relaxed, I was pretty mm. stressed. Whereas going in with when we put the embryo in for Olivia, it was just like I was really in Zen mode. It was just like and I think too then I was in Zen mode because I had been doing a lot of work with a um, yoga therapist and mm. that was also a really big, big help for me in trying to um, keep me in the moment rather than heading yeah. down some rabbit, rabbit holes of, of where this could end up. So I was a bit more Zen. And um, so we felt pregnant with Eve and that was January 2021 and yeah. pregnancy went really well in terms of her growth was fine. Um, and, uh, movements were okay, but, and I remember getting to like 22 weeks going, oh, this has been a breeze and I felt really good and I felt really positive and going, what's this pregnancy after loss business? Like I felt really good. And then 24 weeks came and I remember I was at, I was out running and I'm going, and it just hit me like a wave. Yeah. Like I don't feel I'm moving. And then, yeah. and then that was the start of it. And I knew yeah. um, the anxiety 
of pregnancy after loss really kicked in then. Yeah. And it was the whole way through, the whole way through the pregnancy until she was born was really, um, it was really hard to stay in the present moment because you just mm-hmm. kept wandering your thoughts down that track of the what if is such a hard this is going to happen again and yeah. I do remember one scan came back right about 28 near near the time when we lost even they said the abdominal circumference is small and went and I just went downhill big time because mm. I remember in the autopsy report for Eve they said small abdominal circumference mm. to liver ratio or something and I just joined these dots and I'm going it's happening again happening again but thankfully um, when we got to see our obstetrician and our amazing midwife there, they just they just kept everything calm. Mm. And um, so after that, we upped the scans and we upped the communication and anything. If we needed extra scans, it wasn't a hassle. And yeah, I think that was my that probably my take home message is that if you are concerned about anything, just get in there and get checked. It doesn't. We went in yes. to like a hospital at two a.m. at four a.m. at Yes. And they said, we don't care if you come back five times a day. As long yeah. as you are relaxed and the baby is safe, you come back as many times as you want. Yeah. Whereas with Eve, I was like hesitant. I was just like, mm. don't annoy that obstetrician. Why? It's Easter. Why do we need to? We'll just wait. Mm. Whereas when we were pregnancy, pregnant with Olivia, we, we had it set up. So in between our weekly checks at Melbourne, we could go into our regional hospital here. And we went in. A lot because mm. um, you can't ignore that feeling. No, no. And um, even if you did try to, I didn't get any, I wouldn't be able to sleep. So yeah. there was multiple trips in. They were so good, to happy to see us all the time. Just, just get checked because yeah. um, it's so easy to get that to peace of mind. Peace of mind. It's going to make you feel better. It's worth doing. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, so we you, we were really well scanned and, and looked after and um and that helped um manage the anxiety. Yeah. And um and we decided to have a cesarean. So we knew we had a date in mind that we could get to. It was like running this marathon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when we when we weren't sure if we're gonna have cesarean or not, it was like running a marathon without a finish line. I'm going, yeah. I need a finish line. Yeah. We need a finish line here. So we um we set the date. Yeah, and um, um, I had a maternal assist cesarean. That was during lockdown seven, so we had Eve lockdown one and um, Olivia lockdown seven. Um, but having said that, it was really nice being in lockdown because we could just be in a little bubble for quite a while. And um, there was yeah, yeah silver linings. Silver linings, yeah. COVID, yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's always silver linings, isn't there? It's just yeah. Um, mm. so magnificent, yeah. Beautiful yeah. birth. Um beautiful just it was just amazing and I don't I didn't really probably feel the awe of it of what like we actually physically have a live babies when mm. we're driving up our driveway going home yeah. and it hit me it's just like oh my gosh we're bringing a baby home yeah and then it really sunk in going oh because when you're in when you are in hospital it's different like you've got everything taken care of and you know it's yeah people coming and going and you're kind of yeah in this little bubble but when you get out of hospital and you're going home I for me that's where it really sunk in and and it was just like wow I remember us walking in the door going what do we do now what do we do <laughs> so and it's it just surreal yeah, yeah but it was beautiful mm. yeah it just um yeah just 
it was um I wouldn't say it was all worth it. It's been a, it's been a hard hard journey, but I, mm. it definitely has made made us a lot more resilient as a couple, made me more resilient, but made me more of me. Yeah. Um, and but that's a hard way to work that out. <laughs> You had such a hard journey and I appreciate you sharing because I think it's it's important for people to hear because we don't hear these stories and we push, as you said, the emotions down. Yeah. I thought there are no should when it comes to emotions as far as I'm concerned with my patients. No. You feel how you feel and it's all okay. Yeah. It's what you do with that and how we process that that that, that makes the yeah. difference. But there's no and shoulds, the guilt. There's the, so the, no oh, shoulds. Like, there's no shoulds. Yeah. That should be removed from the dictionary. It should. And it is right. It's, <laughs> it's like should. Thought... I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it should. It is hard and it's, um, yeah, it's like the thoughts and feelings and behaviours and once you start to under, like get a bit of understanding of that because I never understood any of that and it's yeah. just like, oh, my gosh, my, this is why I was doing that because I was feeling this and when you start to connect the dots, it does make sense and then you can start to really do that kind of deep work to just you've grown so much through this process and now you've really honored Eve so well I know you you talk about her a lot I think it's good Mm. for people to to hear these two who've gone through miscarriage and and loss um and stillbirth it's you've done a wonderful job of honoring her I know you've got your beautiful Eve garden which you sent me I still have it right next (laughs) to me this beautiful wreath from your Eve garden yeah, I receive lots of beautiful presents, but this sits with me. I have it yeah. literally right next to me from your Eve garden uh, as a gift. It's just so beautiful to way to remember her and recognize mm. her. And as you said, not suppress the emotions, but just yeah. celebrate what what was. Yeah, I think it's important. Like mm. you find your own way how you want to process your grief. And for me, it was um, I wanted a colorful garden. I wanted mm. colourful flowers and then I came across the everlasting daisies and then I made the connection, everlasting Eve, Eve. Eve's in everlasting. So now our garden is just full of um, colourful everlasting daisies and they flower all year round. Amazing. And, um, yeah, it's just she really, Eve for me, has just inspired so much in me and yeah. just tapped into this, um, my deep create creativity mm. um, side, which I feel has been lost in mm. probably 30 years and so I do we do honor honor her all the time every day I yeah. think of her but yeah. I also thank her so much all the time going oh my gosh you're just showing me the way yeah <laughs> and like I said to someone oh sometimes like it's like if the room goes really dark it's like I know she's there like it's yeah. so so bizarre that you just is you know she's there and you had that connection show, with her yeah yeah it's, um it's very hard to, um, it's hard to explain, but I, um, and that's probably a good thing. It's probably not meant to be explained. Some um, of these things yeah. are some of the most beautiful things in life. Yeah. I think we can't touch, feel, hear, explain. No. They're just there. But I think yeah. it's, yeah, important just choose your own journey, how you yeah. want to process your grief. And like I said to people, you just do you what feels right for you. And if you want to go back to work, go back to work. If you want to go on a holiday, go on a holiday, just yeah, do what feels right and do it your way, not 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 listen to the shoulds. <laughs> exactly, not listen to the shoulds. Not listen Trust to the shoulds. that I, gut instinct. You know they're coming from a good intention, but just you do you. And yeah. You do get through it. If I could yeah. tell myself now what, if I could tell myself back then what I know now, it would just like you will, and I remember hearing Dr. Joe saying this, there will be brighter days and there are yeah. brighter days. Yeah. But at that time when you're in that Doesn't grief. feel like it. It's all dark. 
until mm. you kind of come through it. And you've got to travel through it to see those yeah. bright days. Yeah. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, we've got little Olivia. She's here and just keeping us occupied. And she'll be our only child. And we've made that, yeah. made that call. We don't want to – we're really quite content now. Yeah. We don't want to step back on that roller coaster of time for number two. Yeah. Because we've just feel like now the last six months, life's just settled mm. and we're just um, loving it. So, um, yeah, we're yeah. just, it's really, it's a beautiful time. And yeah, it's, um, so I've got a lot of people to thank, including you, Tasha, for <laughs> filling up my tank because my gosh, we just yeah. didn't want to leave any stones unturned, which we didn't. So we didn't. And I was so relieved that that I think I saw you actually because it was there. It worked the first time when I, after, after we'd, we'd filled that tank. So I think yeah. I saw you and you must be referred, referred then. And it was, yeah, uh, we had fingers and toes crossed. And I know it was so hard to, and, and anyone who is in, I guess, any stage of Felicity's journey, you know, it's good for you, for them to hear um, mm. what what you did at the stages and and how you processed. And as you said, you do come through the other side and getting that support around you, help fill your tank, yeah. get your get your mindset support, have the scans mm. of the obstetricians. I'm always saying to my patients, be the squeaky door. If you feel nervous, yeah. if you don't don't you know trust that gut instinct that yeah. I feel un, unsure. I want to yeah. get that checked and yeah. it's um important and I um a coach and cyclist is another part of my life I do but and I often tell them I said you're the captain of your own ship like mm. you choose who you want in your in your um cockpit you choose who yeah. you want there and yeah you've got to drive it you've got to drive yeah. your own ship and bring in the people that you want at that time yeah that you know will help you get where you want to go and yeah that was also a big learning. I had so much self-discovery. It's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> one of the things I, I thought, I'm driving my own ship. I can't expect yeah. other people to, um, you know, push my own barrier because it's me. It's just me. And um, and a lot of the fertility journey does feel out of your control. I, I, totally know, I found that personally yeah. and, and professionally as well. So having that team, that cockpit, and that you mm. can get that support and be able to drive that yourself and have some, as you said, sense of control, knowing that you've done everything that you can do and then where there is yeah. that part that is left up to, you know, yeah. biology and, or whatever that other thing um, yep. is. And, um, yeah. And there but is so can, much out of control, out of your control. There is. It is hard though yeah. to. Yeah. It is hard not to focus on those at times, and that's. Yeah. Um, I think that's where I found getting that support really helpful to pull me back in line, pull myself going down those rabbit yeah. holes, which I knew were going to end up. Um, yeah, in a worse mindset. So. Well, thank mm. you so much for sharing your story. And I know there's people who are really going to benefit from from hearing hearing your journey. Um, so thank you for being so generous in sharing that. Thank you for the gifts you've given me and for the privilege of sharing your journey and for, you know, seeing a beautiful Olivia into this world. Yeah. And <laughs> been lovely to yeah. see her at nearly two now. I think the last yeah time I saw her, she we was still, and she's still feeding, which is because I was going to say, we were going through, yeah. I was supporting through breastfeeding last time I saw her, but she was a lot smaller than she is now. Yeah, she's, um, she's, yeah, she does enjoy the breast milk still, which is fine. Yeah. All good. Yeah. But um, thanks for inviting me to come along and also um, just helping raise that awareness, I guess, of pregnancy loss. And because yeah. um, it isn't, it's not spoken about enough. And I know it's all, it is hard to talk about and really probably has been the only, the last few months where I felt comfortable talking about it. Yeah. Um, but I'm hoping that, um, 
yeah, just a few things I've said may help people get through those really hard days. <laughs> Hopefully conversations like this can yeah. just help get rid of the shoulds and help people cope through these these dark times. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of support out there. Yeah. Um, fortunately, you do have to go searching for it at times, but there is support there to get through the grief and loss. And um, yeah, there is. I know I spoke with Pink Elephants. They're a lovely, another lovely group. Um, my last podcast. Um, they're great as well. So yeah, there's a there's a lot of support yeah. out there in general. Yeah. So as you said, hopefully even some of the tips that you've given um through this because I know you got a lot of support and you've yeah. really I've been yeah amazed at what you've what you've done for Eve and your beautiful family yeah thank you yeah. and um thanks for talking about Eve <laughs> I love it <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much and I know I'll speak to you again soon but thanks so much for being involved thank you bye for now I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Conceive Baby podcast To help you move forward on your journey to pregnancy, I've created your free fertility checklist for you. This checklist provides simple swaps you can make that can have a significant impact on your chances of conceiving and carrying your healthy baby. So be sure to head to conceivebaby.com.au forward slash checklist to download your free fertility checklist today.